Thanks for watching this episode of Turning to Him. I invite you to just take a few seconds right now at the beginning and subscribe to this channel so that you can get more videos like this in your feed. Thanks again. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Turning to Him. I am here with uh, Amanda Phoenix. You probably recognize her from her <laughs> hundreds of millions of YouTube followers and uh, the channel that she has called One Footed Phoenix. Amanda, thanks so much for taking time with us. Yeah, you thank you. It's good to be with you. And I'm super excited to like share a little bit about my story. So. Great. Very good. Well, I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better and, and hear of your experiences. Um, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm an amputee and I started One Footed Phoenix to help other amputees, but also to tell my story about coming home early from a mission. And I came home early because I was hit by a car. And so that's like a little bit about me and kind of how I ended up an amputee was because I was hit by the car. Okay. Um, wow. I mean, t tell us about that. So how did that happen? <laughs> yeah. So I was riding my bike um, on my mission and we were on our way to a dinner appointment and all of a sudden like this car was stopped and they didn't see me. And for whatever reason, this day I ended up being the one that was in the front and it was because my tire had gone flat on my bike. So my companion was watching for my bike, like fishtailing and making sure that it didn't go flat again. So I ended up in the front for that reason. And like any other day, I wouldn't have been the one in the front. And so I ended up being hit by the car because they didn't they didn't see me. And I ended up being hit and they were coming out of like the Walmart parking lot in Mesa. Arizona okay. so and then that was kind of how it happened and I ended up being like knocked out into the road and everything and so like being knocked out into the road was super scary because there was like there's all these cars that normally are coming along so I mean I'm just grateful that I didn't get run over and that like it wasn't worse than it was but at the same time like I ended up with PTSD still and sure. I still ended up with an amputated leg so okay so <clears throat> i mean I, I, if, if you're up for it i would love more details so you get hit by a by a car mm -hmm. on a bike i mean what happens that you're you're laying in the road or light and sun do you get knocked out what do you tell yeah I mean, so um kind of what happened is like i like immediately went into shock um and the nerves in my leg were smashed and then I ended up with a rare condition called complex regional pain syndrome or CRPS. Um, okay. It's a condition where the nerves in your leg basically think that they're like getting hit and injured over and over and over again. And eventually my leg kind of like attacked itself and it started going like purple and it was like always swollen and it was like unimaginable pain I'm talking about pain that's like above kidney stones and above childbirth and so I eventually had to make the hard decision to amputate but I didn't make the decision to amputate until um I'd had CRPS for three and a half years 
oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So I went through three and a half years of just like unimaginable pain before I decided it was going to be best to try and amputate. And I went through a lot of medical treatments to try and negate the CRPS. And so we did like infusions. I did um, like shots in my back. I did shots underneath my knee. I did all sorts of like crazy medications and like a bunch of different opioids, a bunch of different uh, like lidocaine and ketamine as well, which are like super heavy duty medications to try to get this CRPS to calm down. And eventually we decided that like the only thing left to do was to either put in a spinal cord stimulator or to amputate. And I ended up not wanting to do the spinal cord stimulator because I just like I never felt like that was going to be the right choice for me. So, yeah, that's kind of how we ended up where we are now. <laughs> OK, you just fast forwarded through three and a half <laughs> intense years. Yeah, about four, about like four or five intense years. So I kind of like fast forwarded through that. But if there's anything you want to ask me about, like along the journey, that's totally cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes, I do. Okay, good. Okay. So I still can't get on that. So you get hit by a car, you're laying yeah. in the Does your companion, I mean, are you conscious at this time? My companion was like freaking out. And I, I remember her freaking out, like, and like calling up the, like the mission president and calling up like the elders because they were the ones that had a car. And we were trying to call the sisters that had a car. And she was just like freaking out, trying to call everybody that has a car, like, like sisters, like so and so, she got hit and like blah 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 blah. And, you know, like I kind of remember her just being like, I remember hearing like hit, and then like I don't remember much else other than that, but I do remember her like kind of freaking out. <laughs> Did she make those calls before she called nine one one? Yeah, so she didn't actually call nine one one. Um, so the police ended up like not even coming to the scene because, um, like we didn't think to call 911. So this is kind of like the naive missionary brains that we had, you know, and, and her first reaction was like to just call the leaders. And so, and it wasn't like a bloody scene or anything. It was like, it was more like I had been hit. Everyone thought I was going to be fine. And like, at the time we didn't even know that my nerves were damaged. And so like, like I kind of like limped away. And so we knew like something was messed up with my ankle, but we had like no idea the extent of what was actually messed up. Okay. So you (laughs) limp away, your companion has called everybody, but the paramedics. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) And at, at what point do you say, I should probably go to the hospital. I mean, when when we were realizing that I was like limping away, um, we realized like something was messed up. So they took us to the elders, took us over to the Instacare and we went over to the Instacare and the Instacare was like, you hit your head. You probably have a concussion. Go to the ER. And it's amazing that like I didn't end up with a concussion, but I ended up with um, my helmet being like busted. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. What about the driver of the vehicle? Did they stick around? Did they? Yeah. So the driver of the vehicle stuck around and I actually tried to hand them a Book of Mormon. Yes. Yes. (laughs) This is like, 
this is how like like little missionary yeah. me is like right. maybe you just you had to hit a missionary so that you would um listen to them <laughs> like, whatever it takes whatever it takes to yeah, preach you know? <laughs> no one hollowed bumper will stop this work from progressing so I, I remember kind of like sitting there in shock being like oh my gosh like i just got hit by a car and then like tried to give the the driver of the car, Book of Mormon. And, you know, and obviously they were like, nah, nah, you know, like they were kind of like freaking out that they had hit me, but. (laughs) Even out of guilt, they didn't take it? Yeah, they didn't take it. (laughs) Hardcore. Okay, so you finally get to the hospital. They say, go to the ER. Thankfully, you don't have a concussion, but they, they check out your leg at this point. Yeah, so they start checking out my leg, and they think that, like, at first that it's broken because of the fact, because it was, like, super swollen and stuff, and so they're like, well, maybe your leg's broken, and then they, like, did more x-rays and, like, feeling around on my leg and stuff, and they were like, no, it's not broken, it's fine, like, it's just a severe sprain, stay off of it for three days, put me on crutches, and, set like, kind of sent me on my way. And said, go to a specialist if uh, if it doesn't get better. And so fast forward a little bit into my mission. Three days later, it's not getting better. And it's not like I had pain like pretty much immediately. And that pain was like not going away. And so when that pain wasn't going away, they were like, we need to like figure this out. And I was like, I need to figure this out. But they took my crutches away after those three days and was like, no, you're fine. And this was the mission president's wife that was like, no, you're fine. And took the crutches away after three days. And that was in and of itself, like insane because they, I think they just didn't understand like the level of pain I was actually in. And Then like a couple weeks go by and it's still not getting better and it's still not getting better. And I'm like trying to be out on the bike and they're like, they're like, you just need to get back on the bike. It's a severe sprain. You'll be fine. Like, just get back on the bike and keep doing your missionary work. And so they kind of ignored like how severe this actually was. And to their credit, like nobody really knew how severe it was at that point. Right, right. I mean, you don't have, you know, in my mind, you don't have a broken bone. And so, right. yeah, the sprain and, and a lot of times you work through, you work through stuff. Exactly. Wow. Okay. So three weeks, four weeks, this is not going away. What happens? So at that point, that was when the mission president eventually made the decision to send me home. And unfortunately, this decision was made for me. So I didn't like have a say in this decision and going home for my mission, which was really hard for me not to have a say in the decision. Cause normally missionaries, when they go home for something like this, like they have a say in the decision and they have a council with like their state leaders and with their home leaders. And for me, I didn't have any of that council with my leaders before I got sent home. So for me, it was almost like, wham. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> because a tough experience. Yeah. Yeah. So like I go to this uh, missionary training. So it was the 12 week training and or no, not the 12 week training. It was like it was the train, whatever training comes when you've been out for like three months. So I guess it was the 12 week training. And then at that point, 
the mission president calls me into his office after, like, mind you, we've been through this whole training thing. And then he calls me in his office and he's like, he, he sits down with this, like, disappointed face, you know, and and just kind of like looks at me and says, like, you're flying home in the morning. And I'm and at that point, I'm just like crying. I'm like, no, like, yeah. I need to stay. <laughs> and okay. so so I'm like, I'm like falling at this point. And he tells me to call my parents and my parents like already knew that I was going to be flying home. And so like, I was kind of mad that they like already knew before I did. Yeah, sure. And, and everything. And I remember that experience just being like kind of horrible <laughs> to be honest. So, yep. um, and knowing that I was going to have to come home and I was like just super nervous that people were going to say like really mean things to me because I hadn't like finished my like full mission or that I hadn't uh, been out there like the whole time and they were going to be like judgy to me because I hadn't been out there the whole time. Yeah yeah but how was that experience? So thankfully, like, I didn't have people being super judgy to me, but I know that a lot of missionaries that come home early, especially for mental health, for for sure, they end up having people be pretty judgy to them. And it's really difficult to, like, get back into a ward, especially when you come home for mental health stuff. So I'm lucky that I didn't come home for mental health stuff, but... Um, the mission president had actually set put stuff like in the records saying that I came home for mental health stuff. And I was like, um, excuse you. <laughs> um, and he had told my parents that I was a lazy missionary um, and that I didn't really want to be out there when I came home. Okay. And, and so it's taken a long time to try to like kind of forgive this person because I went through so much, like, just mistreatment from my mission president. Sure. Uh, that's that's unfortunate. You know, and, and obviously, we only you only always know one side of the story. But right. I definitely want to, once we get done with the history, I want to talk more about that. Because I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people can probably relate to that. I mean, I think that all in all, everybody's trying their very best. But at the end of the day, we're all human. And some of us get along with our mission presence and some of us don't. Some of us have sure. fantastic mission experiences. Some of us don't. And it sounds like th this is an obstacle that you've had to overcome. Yeah, for sure. It's been an obstacle to try to overcome forgiving this person when there was so much mistreatment there. And when there's like just so much emotions of like there was anger, there was shock, there was like just disbelief of like how could you be so like unchristlike when you're like supposed to be a leader and you're supposed to be the one that's Christ-like. Um and so for me, I I had a lot of like kind of doubt a little bit because mm -hmm. I was like, why is this leader not being Christ-like towards me? And it did shake my faith. It didn't, it didn't like take my faith away, but it definitely shook it. Okay. So I want to talk about that because I, I think a lot of people can relate to that, whether it's, um, I feel like I was mistreated by my mission president, or I feel like mm -hmm. 
my bishop said something stupid to me and, and really offended me or the Relief Society president or whatever. I think a lot of people can relate to that. But let me pause on that. Did you also experience anything? I mean, here you are, a missionary, set apart, mm-hmm. consecrated, and in in the action of you performing your mission, you get hit by a car and have to go home. Was there anything yeah. there like, hey, where's the protection? Where's the divine intervention? Any, did you wrestle with that at all? Yeah, I did feel like that for sure. And I felt like I was like, I, so I kind of felt like I should have been like healed And I do feel like I definitely had the faith to be healed. And sometimes it's harder to have the faith not to be healed. And in this situation, I eventually came to the answer for myself that I needed to have the faith not to be healed. And that was like a really hard pill to swallow of like, okay, like I'm not going to be this miraculous missionary that's healed, but instead I'm going to end up being this missionary that ended up like being hurt mistreated and like all of these things and in the end I ended up being the one to kind of share their story forward because I was the one that ended up not being healed okay how did you how did you start to come to terms with that because I mean you could have easily taken this story a different path yeah for sure (laughs) first of all I get no divine assistance (laughs) <laughs> Second of all, the the temporal leaders, I'm I don't feel like I'm being treated fairly or correctly by my temporal leaders. I'm out. I'm done. Why didn't yeah, you it would have been very very easy to say like I'm out and I'm leaving the church for what I've been through because I was in large part ignored by the church, and in large part I was not treated well by the church. Because a lot of times when a missionary dies on their mission, uh, the church pays for like all of those funeral services and things. And so for a long time, I've kind of felt like, like, where was the church when I like eventually lost my leg to serving my mission? Mm -hmm. And all this time, even now, um, the church has not really been there to like give me a lot of assistance, but through that, um, even though that's been a trial of my faith, I still have faith in Jesus Christ. And I think that my faith in Jesus Christ was the one thing that like kept me moving forward through all of this, because if I had just been like, people suck and like run away (laughs) screaming for the hills, you know, and, and the stuff and like, and not realizing like people are so imperfect and his doctrine is the one thing that is perfect. Hmm. Wow. <clears throat> that's a lot of faith. And that's that's fantastic. And I think that a lot of people. A lot of people need to hear that. And we all need to be reminded of that because all of us have been mistreated at various levels, not to the level that you have been. But For sure. a lot of us have been mistreated at various levels. And and I think each of us have to come to the conclusion of why am I here? Am I here because of the mission president? Or am I here because of the covenants that I've made with my savior? Yeah, Yeah. for sure. For sure. And I think that's like what it comes down to is like, are you there because of your testimony in the savior and in Jesus Christ? Or are you there because of different people or for different reasons? And it came down to the fact that like 
my mission was the best time to throw this curveball at me. And I and I do believe that in in a weird way, it was the best time to throw this curveball at me because I was at the peak of like of learning. I was at the peak of like wanting to know everything about the gospel. And I was at the peak of my faith, really. And so it was the best time to throw something like this at me if I had to have it thrown at me. Yeah, that's a great perspective. You know, if you're going to be enrolled in a class in a tough class. Mission's a good time to do it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, so you come home. <clears throat> Are you in constant pain at this point? Yeah. I mean, you're, yeah. So you're it home. varied in like in levels of how bad it was, but I mean, from the day that I came home, from the day of the accident, I've been in some form of constant pain. And it's been five years almost now. So I've been in constant pain for almost five years. And there's been a lot of like questioning over those five years of like, why can I not be healed? Like, why, you know, there's just a lot of asking why. And I found that sometimes asking why wasn't really helpful because I eventually went to uh, therapy and I eventually had to be put on like all sorts of medications and stuff. And Eventually, we figured out like that I had PTSD from this whole experience. And so going to therapy, it's not a bad thing. And I say that all the time on my channel, that it's not a bad thing to have to have help with mental health. And I think a lot of people need to hear that, that it's not a bad thing. It's not a shameful thing. And that, um, you know, there's a Jeffrey R. Holland talk that I really, really love that is called Like a Broken Vessel, where he talks about people needing to have spiritual assistance and temporal assistance to get through things like depression and PTSD. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are so many analogies there. Um, You know, athletes don't just go to coaches when, uh, I I mean, you go to, you go to a physical coach, there's nothing wrong against having a mental coach. Um, we, We all need help getting better. For sure. Um, now, you did mention that when you came home, your ward was fantastic. Yeah, um, my ward was really good. How, <laughs> and how they did. That was great. Yeah, for sure. I feel like my ward was really, really supportive. And I think that the reason that they were so supportive is because we had my bishop make an announcement when I came home that I was home for a medical for a medical release and that I was hoping to go back um in a few months when my ankle healed and unfortunately that never happened and so I went through like six months or so thinking that I was going to be able to go back on my mission and so I had like all this hope in the world and I was like it's going to get better we're going to go to the doctor we're you know like going to have surgery or whatever I need and it's going to be back to new and I can go back on my mission and when that didn't happen that was probably like the lowest point for me was when all of a sudden I was just like a return missionary one day and that was that like and realizing like it's really over (laughs) tell me about that was that a gradual process or did you say it was was there an event that kind of officially closed out your mission Yeah, so the event that eventually closed out the doors to serving a mission was when I was diagnosed with CRPS. 
or complex regional pain syndrome. And when I got that diagnosis, the doctor said to me, like, you're not going to be able to serve again with this diagnosis um, because it's a rare diagnosis that requires a lot of medical treatment and a lot of people don't recover from it. It actually is a syndrome that has no cure. Okay. So um, <clears throat> from how long till since you came home till that diagnosis? It was about six months before I got that diagnosis. So so for six months, you're still holding out hope. Hey, I'm, I got to yeah. get wrapped up. I'm going to head back to Mesa. This is going to be great. Or uh, I was in Tempe, but oh, Tempe. I served in Mesa for most of my mission. So, yeah. Okay. Wow. So you get the diagnosis. Yeah. What did you do to make it through that day? I mean, that's got to be a tough day. That was like the hardest day of all of this, I think. And I went to the temple a lot and I did a lot of praying and a lot of soul searching. And sometimes I let myself just be angry at God for a little while because like I needed to get out all of that anger at first. And so sometimes my prayers were like, God, I am mad this happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and letting myself be real and vulnerable and like just truthful with it was how I kind of like got through it because I really did feel like the CRPS diagnosis was like just not fair at all. And I was like, what in the world? Like, I'm supposed to go back on my mission. I'm not supposed to like, sorry, <laughs> I'm not supposed to be stuck here. Like, this isn't supposed to be the end. And I felt like, it kind of felt like the end of the world. Like it felt like everything was crashing down on me. And the only thing that I had to hold on to was that foundation of faith that I had built while I was a missionary. And that foundation of faith that I built while I was a missionary was what carried me through having this diagnosis. And I didn't even know at this point, like at this time, how severe CRPS really was. I just knew that it was going to affect my ability to serve a mission again. And I remember just being like angry and sad and mad and trying to pick up the pieces of this shattered life or this shattered dream that I had to go back and serve again. Okay. That brings up another question then. So that's the day that you get the diagnosis. What, yeah. do, you do, what do you do the day after you get the diagnosis? <laughs> so, I mean, in the following days after the CRPS diagnosis, um, I continued going to physical therapy and I continued to try to do what I could to uh, help the CRPS. And Physical therapy with CRPS is awful <laughs> um, because uh, like, like a lightning anytime, bolt in your leg, right? Yeah. So like anytime anyone touched my leg, I was like screaming bloody murder. <laughs> like it was horrible. And so and they were like they were doing all these different things to try to desensitize that leg. And 
they were trying to like touch it with different materials and stuff at that point and so like the the trial was like kind of never ending in a sense because like I it was always like one treatment to the next to the next to the next and you know and it's still ongoing even today where I still have some phantom pain and I still can't wear my prosthetic leg the, the entire time like I want to so okay when when does it start to dawn on you that hey this is a long road we're gonna we're gonna be here for a while yeah so it kind of I think the dawning of the long road was when I um talked to other people with CRPS and there's a lady in my ward who actually has CRPS as well she has it in her shoulder and in her hands and like in her neck and stuff and she was in two accidents and then that was what eventually caused the CRPS and so I was like talking with her and being like you know like like I was just diagnosed with CRPS like what do I do like how do I treat this you know and in talking with her I realized like this isn't gonna get better is it and and she's kind of like yeah like it's not gonna get better and and then like realizing that I'd been through all these treatments and stuff so talking with her was after I'd been through some of the treatments that didn't work and for her the CRPS has never gotten better and for me it never really did get better I ended up amputating as a way to try to get out of the hell that honestly I was like experiencing with CRPS. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you mentioned this is pretty rare. I mean, I've never heard of CRPS. Yeah. It's extremely rare. And yet there's somebody else in your ward that <laughs> also has it. That was a tender mercy, honestly. And, and like, and such a blessing. And I feel like, you know, like she might not always see it as a blessing either to have CRPS, but to to experience someone else that has this like rare disorder that you have was amazing. And we built such a friendship. And I mean, like, like I love her. She's amazing. And she does like incredible, incredible music. And she just like plays her little heart out and you know that every single note she's playing is like there is unimaginable pain running through her arms every time she plays. And that's amazing to me. Wow. Wow. How big is the CRPS community? So it's actually pretty big. Um, there's quite a few people like in the U.S. that have it and there's quite a few people around the world that have it. I don't know like the exact statistics of like how many people in the US have it, but I do know that there's uh there ended up being three people in my ward that had it at one point. So there was another person that ended up having CRPS uh in her ankle because of malpractice of a doctor. Right. And she ended up actually amputating a couple months before I did. And so that's how I found out that it was even like an option for me to amputate. And uh, she has a channel that's called Stefanina's Amputee Adventures. Okay. And my channel is uh, One Footed Phoenix. But anyway, 
she was the other person in my ward that had CRPS before I did. Or no, she had it like after I did, but she ended up amputating before. And then I found out that it was an option for me. And so we had like similar doctors and stuff and our channels are like kind of similar because we had a similar experience going through CRPS and then having to make that really tough decision to amputate a leg. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I mean, since you brought it up, let's, let's get there. You spend three and a half years experimenting, trying everything under the sun to make this Mm -hmm. go away. This pain is Yeah, for sure. And Oh man, we've tried so many things. Like we went to so many doctors and so much time in doctor's offices. And it was just like one doctor to the next, to the next, to the next. And trying to figure out like, like, can you do something to help me? Like there has to be something out there that can help me. Like I'm in pain, I'm miserable. And I was like begging God at this point, like, please, there has to be something out there that's going to work. And eventually, like, um, I think eventually, like, my answer that I kind of came to was, like, amputation wasn't the perfect answer, but it was the best answer that I had. And it was the best option that I had to get my life back. Okay. Walk through that decision. I mean, some more detail there. And what do yeah. you moment do you um I assume that your parents are involved in these discussions and all this process yeah so my mom has definitely been super involved in the process and she's been the one who's been like my caretaker through all this because there were points that like I haven't been able to take care of myself and that's been really really hard to go from like being this vibrant young adult that was involved in all of the activities to not being able to walk and not being able to like cook or clean or do like hardly any of those things for myself and I went through so much just like like guilt and uh and things that I had put on myself because I was like this was not supposed to happen like this was not the plan that I had for my life most missionaries are like, I'm going to go on my mission. I'm going to go back to school. And that was my plan. Like, go on the mission, go back to school. That was, that was it. That was the plan. Like, I was supposed to go back to Rexburg and right. go to school. So not being able to go back to Rexburg and losing my ability eventually, like, through the course of this, I eventually lost my ability to even go to school. And so that was really hard for me too, losing ability to, to learn and to grow and to like, and losing that ability to learn was really hard on me. And I think that was like, when I got to the hardest point of CRPS is when I had to drop out of school on a medical deferment and never knew if I was going to be able to go back. And is that just because the pain was so intense? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the pain got so intense that like that I couldn't work. I couldn't do anything. I mean, like I was like curled up on the couch every day, pretty much like screaming from the inside out. Yeah. OK, so you decide to amputate. 
um, what you you wake up from that surgery. Tell us about day one of that. <laughs> so, I mean, like I was well prepared for the amputation, I feel like. And I feel like mentally I had done a lot of work to be prepared for it, but it was still a shock to wake up and be like, it's, it's really gone. Like, like it's over, <laughs> you know, and, and, and kind of thinking like, like it's over, this is going to be better now. And like, I'm going to be out of pain and this nightmare that like, that I've been living for the last three and a half years is finally going to be over. And so that's kind of what I was thinking like day one was feeling like things were going to finally get better. And so I had a lot of peace with it, but I also had a lot of like shock and difficult emotions of like my foot's really gone. And like, how am I going to get through the rest of my life without my foot? Right. Um, once you had the amputation, you mentioned that you still have some phantom pain, but Where's mm -hmm. your pain scale now? So, so there's a really good pain scale. It's called the McGill pain scale. And on the McGill pain scale, it rates CRPS as like the very top. And then it rates amputation like right below it. So amputation of an entire leg is right below CRPS. But the pain is still like dramatically better than it was. It's, it's a dramatic difference. And even though the pain is still crazy, insane, high, it is so much better than where I was. Okay, good. So definitely a net positive decision. Yeah, for oh, sure. Fantastic. I've had days that it's been hard and like kind of wondering, like, did I make the right decision? Because there's days where I have pain that's pretty high and it can be close to what I experienced with CRPS, but those days are rare and they're getting rarer and I'm able to walk much more than I ever was with CRPS now. Yeah, because if if I'm doing the math correctly, you've been an amputee now for 1.5 years. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, tell us about the learning curve of <laughs> like. Yeah, it was quite the learning curve. I mean, I feel like I had a long road ahead of me because I only had crutches when I was learning to be an amputee. And I was on like so many pain meds that I like I was like so doped up on pain meds at this point that I was my balance was all like wonky because when you lose a leg, you don't realize like how much weight you lose off of your leg. And so all of a sudden you feel like you're like jerked <laughs> to one side and every time you try to get up, you're always jerked to one side. And so you have to figure out how to rebalance and restudy yourself. And then you throw being on pain meds on top of that. And I fell a lot. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Okay. So, I mean, you said though, it's getting better. Yeah, it is getting better than it used to be. I mean, like I haven't fallen in several months now. Um, the last time that I fell, I hit the cement pretty hard um, because I was on a I was on a knee scooter and I hit the cement pretty hard because I was like outside and, you know, kind of being like, I don't want to be in my wheelchair anymore. And, you know, that that didn't end well for me. So moral of that story is, you know, like when you get tired of it, Try not to be so tired of it. You do something stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Tell us about, I mean, this, this is quite a journey. I mean, everything from, like you said, young, active, single adult, missionary, down into a valley of trials, a number yeah, of trials, and then sure. kind of climbing back out. Tell us about some miracles that you've seen. Tell us about how this has gotten you closer to the Savior. So I honestly feel like one of the miracles that I received was doing the amputation. And it's not perfect. It's not easy. But I feel like that's one of the miracles that I received was knowing that someone else was going through this too, alongside with me. And that was a miracle in and of itself, knowing that someone else was going through this with me. And then having a doctor that was not arrogant, but having a doctor that wanted to learn more about CRPS and that has continued to learn more about CRPS, even after I amputated my leg, he's Mm. been continuing to help me. And he found this drug that was used in Italy for CRPS. And he actually started giving out this drug to CRPS patients here in the United States. And well, it's a similar drug anyway. And he started giving this in his clinic. And I was like one of the first ones to be able to receive it. And now I have like almost no CRPS pain, which is amazing. And like, and, you know, and I still have phantom pain and I still have a lot of pain, but I, but my CRPS symptoms are pretty much gone. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, like this saved my leg in a sense, like, like I lost my leg, but it saved my leg in a sense because it's really starting to give me my life back. And it's really amazing to have these little moments of like, I can walk again, or like, I can do this again, or I can do that again. And be able to do things again and know that the savior has been with me through all of these like really hard points. He was with me from the time the car hit me to today and he's been there through all of it. And I feel like he's really been there to say like, like give me your pain. And I understand the atonement in a way that I like never thought that I would, but now I understand like that the savior went through so much more than I ever have been through. And like, and I went through unimaginable pain, but then I think about like the savior went through so much more than that for us. And if he can go through so much more than that for me, like I can get through one more day. And that was kind of like how my mentality was through the hardest points of like, I can do it one more day if he can do it for me. Mm. That's a great perspective. Um, I appreciate you sharing that. What do you wish people understood about trials? If you could just um, get everybody to understand something, yeah. what would it be? Yeah, so I wish that people understood, you know, like not all trials are going to be taken away immediately. And not all trials are going to be easy, but I wish that people could understand that, like, if you can just hold on for one more day, if you can just hold on to your faith and the things that you know are true, like, you can get through anything with God on your side. And 
that's kind of my motto of like, you can do it. You can get through anything with God on your side. And that was like the whole reason that I started a YouTube channel in the first place was because like, I wanted to share my message to the world and really help other people that were going through difficult times and difficult trials was I wanted to help them through that. And, you know, and say like, you can do this with God on your side, even if you feel like you can't and you feel like you have like no strength left, because I definitely had many of those days where I felt like I had no strength left. And it was like, God, if I'm going to get through this, it's going to have to be with you. Hmm. Well, well, that's a very humble way to to think of that, Amanda, um, of God being on your side. It seems to me that you have chosen to remain on God's side. Yeah, uh, for sure. You know, God is immovable. Um, so thank you so much for just sharing this experience and, and the tough choices that you have made to stay mm-hmm. with him when you had lots of opportunities to, to feel abandoned, to feel victimized, to feel uh, like you were going to do this on your own and you chose to stay sure. on my side. So um Tell us real quick, what's uh, what's the best way to follow your story? You mentioned your YouTube channel. Yeah, so I have my YouTube channel called One Footed Phoenix. I have my Instagram page that's called One Footed Phoenix. Um, it's with like dashes. There's a Twitter account. Let's see. Um, yeah, that's like the best ways usually is with uh, Facebook as well. Uh, there's a Facebook page called One Footed Phoenix. There's the Instagram and the YouTube. Okay. Well, thanks again for taking the time and thanks for being who you are and for sharing your experience. I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there that are strengthened by your story. Yeah, for sure.